You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin and Greg Barnes, another state of the position 2020-style podcast. Little These little shorts we're doing here for you to consume in a hurry. Inside Carolina, of course, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com, and you're 10% off your orders from those Wonderful establishments if you're a premium subscriber of the Tar Pit or of Inside Carolina Basketball, whatever. If you're a premium subscriber, get your 10%. It's worth it. Linebackers today, gentlemen, we're going to group them all together, even though we had some discussion off air of what we wanted to call the outside linebackers in Jay Bateman's scheme. But Ross, linebackers for North Carolina, at least on the outside, start and end for most people with Chaz Surratt. This is yeah. his. This is his bunch. We can yeah, yeah, the inside linebackers. Yeah, so we'll start with inside linebackers here. You got Chad Surratt, Jeremiah Gimel, Gimel. Always mess that up. Eugene Asante, Kadri Jackson is kind of the second tier. So Chad Surratt, Gimel, first tier. Eugene Asante, Kadri Jackson, second tier, and then behind them are the two freshmen, Ethan West from Virginia and Cedric Gray from Charlotte. So you kind of have three tiers of linebackers there, and, and you would expect. I mean, Strat and, and Gimel to, to play a lot of snaps and, and then Asante and Jackson at some point in the game relieve them to give them, them some rest because those two guys played so much last year too. So they're reliable, they're experienced, they're smart, they're proven now, they've, they've shown they can produce. And I think it's a, a strength of this defense that um, not even much talk about because you're, you're pretty confident with what Chaz can do and what Gimmel can do from his inside linebacker positions. I think there's some excitement about Eugene Asante as well. Greg, you've covered Carolina football for a long time. Going into the season last year, tell Mac Brown's worry, contrast that going into the season this year. In just 12 months, what a difference that's been for this position for North Carolina. I believe the term I was told leading up to the game against South Carolina behind the scenes was um, linebacker position currently was a clown show. <laughs> um, and that was just the honest assessment. And that, that kind of matches what, what Mac Brown thought as well. Uh, just, just a lot of fear there. I mean, you have to remember Dom Ross was suspended. Um, John Smith was suspended because academics, they didn't let that out until right before the game. But those are your two experienced guys and neither of them are going to be available. And so in training camp, they really had to prep Surratt and, and Gimmel. Um, and you know, they, they had some, some messed up plays in the, in the first game. Uh, I think everybody remembers that, that overrun that Chas had led to that 30 yard uh, touchdown. I guess that was the first touchdown South Carolina scored, but after that, they showed a lot of promise. And just the fact that Chas Surratt is as, as fast as he is uh, kind of makes up for some of those issues. And you know, Gimmel told us last week that going back and looking at film, some of the issues for Chaz, and one of the reasons he missed so many tackles, I mean, he missed 27 tackles last year, which is way too many. This is because he was too fast and overran plays, and, you know, we all saw that. Um, but the way those guys developed over the course of the year, 
uh, was really phenomenal. And I, granted, both of them benefited greatly from having Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge in front of them, no doubt about it. Uh, but they had to play a lot of snaps. I mean, just looking here, those two combined for 1,560 snaps last year, which is insane. Um, Borderline but, ridiculous and yeah, criminal. Really, I mean, you're pushing <laughs> 775 uh, a piece. And that's, that kind of speaks to, to Ross when he was talking about with Jackson and Asante. You really need those guys to come along. And that's one of the reasons I think spring ball was such such a detriment not having it and that goes across the country as well but you needed those guys to be able to elevate their play so that you can feel comfortable putting them in for Gilmore and Sherratt so you can get those guys rest so they're ready to go in the ball games you're not worried about them being fatigued I mean looking at uh let's see here uh let me they're so far down the list I mean Asante played 58 snaps last year Jackson played 46 um so Roughly 100 versus 1,500. That's got to change dramatically. And I think that's probably the most important thing for this uh, inside linebacker group, this, this training camp. Is yes, you've got some young guys in West and Gray. Uh, all, by all accounts, are going to be good players. You really have to have a solid two deep. And that that's, puts all the pressure on Jackson and Asante. They've got good speed. They're, they're good athletes. Uh, every, every expectation they can do it. But they've got, to, they've got to elevate their play, and they've got to be able to produce uh, to keep a lot of that pressure off of Gilmore and Surratt, especially you know, if injuries pop up here or there. And, Ross, you know they will. Sort of preparing Asante and Jackson, I feel like, for Tommy Thigpen, very similar to trying to get Surratt and Gimmel ready last year. Uh, I mean, at least they're not the front-line guys. But with no spring, like Greg mentioned, how do these guys get ready for what's coming here and what less than a month yeah that's a great point I mean they were you know two of the guys you really wanted a, a spring for and a full off-season strength conditioning that's a great point Tommy um I mean they got they got time here to learn they're learning from two guys who are very very sharp and uh, an experienced defensive coordinator and then experienced linebackers coach so if they can get the system down and, and get there physically and put both together then I think you'll see them play a little bit I don't know how much I mean I was told this morning I checked with some sources here Tommy <laughs> um, this morning, a source that would know what's going on. And they said there's a pretty good demarcation between Gimel and Surratt and Asante and Jackson. So there's just definitely – it's not like Asante is pushing them for reps. It's going to be a fact of we need to get a couple uh, series here off, a series there off to, to bring Asante in. So that – to help UNC and help those guys get reps, you know, Asante definitely needs to – kind of make a big jump here in the next couple of weeks before the first game on September 12th. But um, I think physically those guys are all there. I mean, Sante, look at him right now, 6'5". I didn't know he was that tall, 6'5", 210. I mean, the physical traits are there. He's a high-recruited guy. And I was told he's going to be a very special player at UNC. And then like we've talked about with cornerbacks and safeties, you know, it, sometimes it takes a little bit. It could take the end of this year. And then, you know, next year he's a starter. So be patient with him as well. Um, but I think they have, they have the, the, the guys there, I think, Behind them with Ethan West and Cedric Gray. I mean, Gray was, a, I think, an underrated recruit that Don really liked as well. And, and Ethan's a bigger, I think, a bigger linebacker that there's some thought of him potentially moving to you know, defensive end type position as well. But um, it'll be interesting to see, like, again, how much Asante and Jackson really play. Greg, let's stick with inside linebackers right here for a little bit further. And, of course, later in this podcast, we'll talk about the outside guys. But we talked about a little on air, and I want to get your football expertise in here. Uh, last year, 
I started the podcast saying it begins and ends with Chaz Surratt, but I'm not necessarily sure um, that he's the quote-unquote leader of the defense. And in Bateman's scheme, it's not the same as it always was back in the day. You had a Mike linebacker that did everything. Describe how that works between Surratt and Gimmel and down the line with Asante and Jackson. You know, who, who's setting the defense? Who's calling those plays out there between those guys? Well, it's a, it is a little bit different than what we've seen in, in past years where you would just have one middle linebacker in the 4-3, and that, you know, Kevin Reddick's a good example. Uh, and he would get the call in, and he would – and Mark Pascal, you know, all these guys get the, get the call in, and they would spread it to the line in front and to the secondary behind them. That's really no longer the case because things operate so quickly. Uh, so you have guys at different – the entire defense is looking, but you have guys on, on each of the lines that kind of get the word – and they, they share that information because you have different different people doing different things on different plays with what Jay Bateman wants to do. Uh, but, but Gimmel and, and Chad Surratt, as you said, with them being the middle linebackers, they are kind of the heart and soul of the, of the defense. Um, and, you know, Gimmel, we believe, is the guy doing the primary play calling, uh, although that is a, a big aspect of, of what both these guys are responsible for. And one thing they talked about last year, which I think, which I think is important, is they were so focused on learning their own roles uh, that having to know what everybody else was doing was a challenge. And that, that's kind of how things go when you're learning a new position or you haven't played much. you got to make sure you're comfortable in what you're doing before you can worry about what other people are doing. And now that they have a full year under their belt, they're much more comfortable with understanding what everybody on that defense is supposed to be doing, what the other you know, nine or ten guys are doing, and it makes it that much easier to communicate. Um, and so the fact that they have a guy like Wolf behind them at safety, who's a veteran who's been around, he knows what's supposed to be happening. You got the two guys in the middle with a lot of experience. You got some youth up front on the interior line. You don't have Aaron Crawford and Strobridge there anymore. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, but, but having key veteran pieces in the middle of the defense uh, really helps everybody, especially Jay Bateman on the sideline. But with Gimmel and, and Surratt there having that experience, they're really going to be called on to really make sure everybody's in the right positions this year. Yeah, I thought an interesting note we heard from Gimmel, who's actually – I think he's the best, one of the best interviews on the team. Yep, for he's sure. a, kind of a quiet – I thought he was a kind of quiet guy maybe during his recruitment, but he'll tell us anything on these interviews. So, I mean, he, he is a, he's, a, he's a leader. He's very sharp and, and knows what he's talking about. Him and Surratt have been watching tape together the last couple of weeks, you know, in July leading up to the start of camp. And they weren't able to do that as much last year, you know, schedules, things like that. But they've been watching a lot of tape since classes, um, before classes started. And they've kind of noticed what they're each doing wrong and each doing right on certain plays. They've been watching every team they played and are going to play to figure out, like, to get, get it all figured out, get the offenses all figured out and figure out what they can do. And, and they've been really trying to put it together because they're, they're super motivated to have a huge year. And I think they, they expect that as well. I mean, Surratt says they don't expect to lose any games, which – well, he'd say anything different, but you got to feel super confident with those two guys. You know, Surratt's getting all the headlines. He's the, he's the freak, but uh, Gimmel's a very, a very sure-handed linebacker there in the middle, and that's great. And like Greg said, Wolfolk, Gimmel, that's, that's two really good guys in the middle there because they're both going to be exchanging calls, I believe. Ross, what would, what would you say if a player came out and said, yeah, I think we're going to go seven and five this year? Yeah, I know. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's, what else are you going to say? Yeah, we're going to win every game. 
Yeah, and everybody gets worked up when guys say we don't expect to lose. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, those guys aren't athletes. They aren't. They aren't alphas. You know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll leave it there. Um, outside linebackers bounce down to you, Greg. Again, Tamon Fox, Tyron Hopper, probably the biggest names. Chris Collins has got some talent. A couple young guys that uh, many of them, the tar pit message boards expect to play and play a lot, but sort of. Describe disposition in Jay Bateman's defense because we've debated it. Is it just a stand-up defensive end? Is it a out? Is it a linebacker? Um, either way, Fox and Hopper are going to be the main guys there. But tell me what makes this position different in Jay Bateman's defense. Well, it's very much kind of in your traditional three-four scheme in terms of what you should be thinking about outside linebackers. They're bigger guys that can run. Uh, they're not going to put their hand in the dirt or, as, as Ross said, hand in the turf for North Carolina. Um, but they can still rush the passer. You know, Tamon Fox, last year, him and Dom Ross were probably the two best pass rushers that North Carolina had going into the season. Strober's got a lot better as the season went along, and that's one of the reasons that he was drafted. Uh, but they're also guys that have to be able to drop back. And the creativity there and the versatility, it really allows you, uh, you know, if, you've, if you're lined up over a tight end, you got outside linebacker there, you know, does he engage? Does he, does he follow, drop into coverage and follow that tight end? Or do you leave that to a nickel back in the secondary to pick up and you let that guy rush? You just have a lot of flexibility with what you want to do. Where things get interesting is when you really look at what Bateman did last year, you know, it was Strobridge and Crawford really on the interior for most of the year. Jaleel Taylor came along strong late, so did Raymond Vahasek. And that allowed Crawford and either Taylor or Vahasek to demand those defensive tackle positions, and it kicked Strobridge over to defensive end. And he could also kind of stand up some. So that's more of the three-man front. But what it sounds like we're talking about this year is, say, Taylor, we'll just say Taylor and Vahasek right now on the interior. But the guys working alongside of him were both outside linebackers in Tamon Fox and Tyrone Hopper. Uh, and so you, maybe you're going to see kind of a, as, as Ross has talked about, a lot of nickel and dimes. Maybe it's the, a base two four five type look, um, which, which would be very interesting. Both of those, however, you're still going to have linebackers up at the line of scrimmage. So they're going to look like defensive ends. Uh, but in actuality, they have the ability to, to drop back and they may not have their, their hand in the turf. Yeah, we're just watching on video. Simple as mud, right? Simple as mud. <laughs> Greg's video was crazy right there. The audio was fine, but Greg's video was like lagging behind. But before I give my my rebuttal and, and great take on the outside linebackers, I'm talking about Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. Tommy missed the read, so I'll, I'll come to the rescue here. We love the sponsor uh, inside Carolina, right on Franklin Street and online at JohnnyT-shirt.com. If you're a premium subscriber, head to the message boards and get those. A 10% off discount code. Use it to buy sweatshirts. Falls right on the corner. New Jersey's basketball, football, Olympic sports, baseball jerseys. Stuff for tailgating. I mean, any gifts. A great way to get a good, like, $10, $20 gift if you're, if you're in a hurry and get all your family members decked out in Carolina gear. Go to Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Best customer service. They're local. We really need to support local companies. I mean, it's a tough time for everybody. Restaurants, small businesses in Chapel Hill in our local community. So Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Head over there and use the premium IC discount code to get 10% off your order. Um, while Greg was talking a lot about that role there, I think it's important to realize with the outside linebackers, it seems like they were trying to recruit a little bit different type of player. I don't think 
I think they do need to drop into coverage, but I think because they're going to be in dime so much, they're going to have a lot of, of defensive backs. And you look at I – mean, Tamon, Tamon Fox is not going to be – I don't think he's going to be dropping in coverage that much. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not – obviously, I'm not a coach. But these guys are built for setting the edge and then rushing the passer. I mean, you look at Desmond Evans. He's 6'6", 245, probably going to put on about 10, 15 more pounds on to get up to 260. I mean, that's a pure edge pass rusher. Cayman Rucker. Get a lot of hype for him, the young freshman. They're saying he is super fast. He's six foot, two fifty five, but he is just a pass rushing freak. He's super quick, super fast. And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and I I don't know how much they really drop in coverage last year. I think that's part of their role. But when you bring in Jacorius Conley and Nickel and Trey Morris, and those are going to be your coverage guys and your inside linebackers. Um, I just see this role as a stand up defensive end who has to be a little bit more flexible in some coverage, but setting the edge and rushing the passer. Uh, it's still a kind of – I'm still trying to figure out that exact role. But I think this is a great group. I mean, Tamon Fox is proven. See what he's done. I mean, he's – I think he led UNC in sacks last year. We're hearing a lot of good buzz about Tyrone Hopper, um, who's been with this program forever. He's been injured, knocked up, it seems, every year. We interviewed him, and he's in really healthy, and he's gotten a lot of um, rave reviews from Mac Brown, some other players. And he's a big – kind of guy who can be outside linebacker. He's played that role before, but also defensive as well. And then Chris Collins, redshirted last year. He should be a kind of that third player, that position as well. So a lot of long bodies, a lot of like a lot of um, kind of experience as well. And then you have to be excited for, for Desmond Evans and Cayman Rucker. So a lot of, a lot of good sized players there who are going to play that kind of pass rushing edge setting defensive end slash outside linebacker role for UNC. I think, I mean, obviously as Evans is the big name that everybody's excited to watch. And I think it's really important to, to watch who they recruit at this position, to your point, Ross, because yeah. um, he's going to do what the bodies there allow him to do, That he being Jay Bateman. Um, you know, if you look back at the, the PFF numbers from last year, Damon Fox uh, was a pass rusher on 335 downs, dropped into coverage 103 times. Okay. So a three-to-one ratio in terms of rushing the passer versus dropping into coverage. Uh, the other – Outside linebacker that, that played on the line the most last year was Alan Cater. Uh, 249 pass rushing attempts, 37 drops in the coverage. So that, that goes along with what Ross is saying is that the majority of these times, uh, these guys are going to be rushing the pass or not dropping back. But Chris Collins is a good example. I'm curious to see how he turns out because all indications were last year, yeah, they liked him. They just wanted him to pick on, put on a little bit more weight. They thought he was a very good fit for this position. And the fact that they actually redshirted him to put on some weight, I, I just find that interesting. We don't see that very often. Typically, your know, kids come in, and as soon as they play, yeah, they play out their career. Collins hasn't taken that approach. Um, so you know, can any of these guys in this group be more flexible in their ability to drop back? I don't know. I don't know if the, that type of player is currently on this, this roster – uh, which would kind of match, again, what Ross said about there being more uh, you know, pass rushers than there are drops in the coverage. But if you have the ability where you can drop into coverage, that does give you a lot of different looks with what Jay Bateman can do. You know, we saw some last year. You know, Tamon Fox would, would drop back into coverage, and then you'd see the, the two middle linebackers rush off the other side so you could overload the line. It's just little things like that, things that you're not going to do every single play but on a third down situation, I mean, you want to send pressure wherever you can. You want to overload the offense wherever you can. And so it's really just kind of picking your spots, how, how best to use these guys. 
Mon Fox and Chris Collins were recruited to be edge rushers in a, in a four, three defense. I mean, that's clear. Now you look at the, this class they're bringing in next year, their outside linebacker is Gabe Stevens, who's listed as an athlete at six, three, two Oh five, probably played a lot of safety, honestly, and probably a lot of linebacker in high school. And Don says he's going to be the outside linebacker position. That's kind of more of the mold of a guy who can be more flexible. I think another guy is, um, Travion Stevenson, who's 6'3", 217, listed a weak side defensive end, but it's going to be the outside linebacker role. Kind of has, you know, not as heavy as, as say, a Taman Fox or even a Tyrone Hopper, but still long and, and can move. I mean, that's the key. You have to be an athlete. You have to be able to drop and be, uh, and be explosive off the edge. Basically, Julius Peppers, right, Greg? I was, I was about to say Peppers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're wondering who the prime example of this position would be, Julius Peppers. Did Peppers oh. drop like that though? I thought, he was more, I thought he was more of just a pure defensive end, like rushing the pass. Mm-hmm. He was so big, goes big and strong, right? He got a pick six dropping against Oklahoma out there. He did batted it up in the air against uh, Clemson. Clemson down there. Pep could do it all. You you find somebody like him to, that can fit this position, it opens up a ton, like Greg was talking about. So linebackers, and, and we're about to wrap this podcast, but let's look on the whole. We've gone through, um, by the time you listen to this podcast, you will have heard quarterbacks, uh, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, cornerbacks, safeties, and nickelbacks. Greg, where do you rate linebackers on the strength of the Carolina's positions? You've got to group them separately, though, right? We're grouping them separately. Different yeah, coaches. we yeah, we can group them separately. So, where are the linebackers? Where are the outside linebackers in the state of the position for <laughs> Mac Brown and his defense and his entire team? Well, on the defensive side of the ball, let's put it like that. I think I think cornerback, nickelback has got to be probably the strength. Um, and then I think you go to inside linebacker with, with Chaz and uh, Jeremiah. I, I think those are kind of far and away the two best positions. Uh, just because you have so much inexperience in safety. I know you have Wolf back there, good talent, but very inexperienced. And then, you know, I think there's a lot of questions on defensive line. Um, are there potential? Are there bodies there? Are there is there talent there? Yes. All that has to come together. Um, but it's, it's amazing to me that a year ago, there was so much hand-wringing going on about what was going to happen inside linebacker. So now you've got a kid in Surratt who's returning, first-team All-ACC guy, you being talked about as a potential first-round draft pick. And then you know, Gilmore had a great year last year as well. And so that, that's really a, a solid part of the, the defense, which is, which is important. Uh, outside linebacker, I mean, I, I think Tamon Fox is, is going to have a great year. I think he's a guy that can, can play at the next level. Um, we'll have to see how some of those other guys come, but there, there's a lot of – excitement i think with collins with evans with rucker i mean we've heard a lot of good things about them tyron hopper has been praised so so a lot of potential there and then you know with the the interior defensive line some some serious questions but uh, we'll get to that one thing to to note is i mean if they do go into nickel they take out one of those outside linebackers right yep and if they go into dime they take out another one potentially or, or maybe you or take an, inside, out, an inside linebacker or something. Or you right? take out uh, a defensive end. Yeah, a defensive two, lineman, yeah. Yeah, you have just a one technique and a three technique. And yeah, you have two pass rushers. and Yeah, so that would be interesting to see what they do there. And, and I think Conley plays in this a lot. And the flexibility of, of, of what 
the, the, the outside linebackers, outside linebackers can do as well. But yeah, I remember texting the source uh, mid season last year. And I think Fox had come out to a really good start. He had a lot of sacks and all of a sudden his production really stopped. And um, they just talk, talked about, you know, they need to get them in more one-on-one situations. They need to get their pass rushers in really good spots to make plays. So look for that. They, they need more pass rushing, more, more quarterback pressures this year. So how they use the different blitz packages and these outside linebackers will be really uh, key to watch. And those one-on-one situations will rely so much on whoever's in the interior line. And we'll talk about the defensive line, but a guy like Aaron Crawford could keep two guys occupied. And if somebody can't do that this year, these guys are going to struggle or could potentially struggle. I think it opens up the door for somebody like Conley to really make a name. Anyway, Inside Carolina Podcast, state of the position. This has been inside linebackers, outside linebackers. That's Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, JohnnyTShirt.com. Rate us, review us, subscribe on YouTube. It's all good. We'll talk to you next time when we do the defensive line and the offensive line. Coming soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.